When I was in college, I took a job uh, at a restaurant. I was a server for about a year and a half. In fact, I, at one point, I had been promoted to head waiter. I was the, 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 be- the best waiter that they had. You know? It was pretty cool. I made more money than everybody else in the store, which was really cool. I, I, I grew up going to church my whole life. Uh, from the time I was born, I played the baby Jesus when I was three months old in the church Christmas play. Yeah, typecasting. Um, I was a baby. Uh, I was the only one in the church. Um, so I played the baby Jesus when I was three months old. I, I grew up going to church. When the doors were open, the Cornette family was there. We would go. I, I went to youth group every Sunday afternoon. We went to church every Sunday morning. We went to church every Sunday night, even on the night of the Super Bowl. The first, yeah, 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 we were hardcore. Um, my first Super Bowl I ever saw, my little brother was sick, and you know that I'm not a Bears fan, right? I mean, that goes without saying. But uh, the first Super Bowl I ever saw in my life was when the Bears played the Patriots, and because I, I got to stay home and babysit my little brother. That was the first Super Bowl I ever saw. It was like 1986. I was 13 years old the first time I ever watched the Super Bowl. And uh, the Super Bowl, I, here's a little soapbox moment. The Super Bowl killed Sunday night church services, just so you know. That's what killed it. So um, anyway, uh, so I grew up going to church, youth group, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm at church all the time. I was surrounded by church people my whole life. I know church people. I've given my life to the church, right? I mean, I, I, as a Christian, as a, as a preacher, I, I work for the church. I work for Jesus serving in the church. I know church people. What I didn't know was bar people. And let me tell you how I got to know bar people. I became a server in a restaurant. When you work in a restaurant that, you know, you work late nights, you work 4 to 11, something like that, 4.30 to 10.30, something like that. And so when you get off work and you're like all wired and everything, you're all, you know, you got all this energy, there's only one place to go at 11 o'clock at night. It's not the library, by the way. And so I started hanging out with my restaurant friends more than I was hanging out with my church friends. And I kind of quit going to church for a while. I I was kind of a prodigal son, and I quit going to church. And I started going to the bars more and to church less. And something happened when I was hanging out in the bars. I'm throwing darts with my friends, and, you know, we're living it up, having a good time. And so we're having this good time, and... uh, I would sit there on a bar stool next to somebody and I would just start talking about my life. And I'd start pouring out my soul to this stranger. What is going on here? And you know, and here's the crazy thing is that I'm sitting here pouring out my soul to a complete stranger and they're pouring out their soul to me. And you know what they're not doing? They're not judging me. They're not condemning me. And I'm not judging them or condemning them. We're just commiserating, talking about our troubles. Just, yeah, yeah, that's how life goes. It's very interesting to me that this would happen in a place where I would least expect it. But there was no judgment. There was no condemnation. And it felt very, very safe. Oddly enough, and, and I did a sermon once called about the show Cheers and about how the church should be more like Cheers just without the alcohol. You want to go where everybody knows, oh, you've seen the show. 
Could you imagine walking in every Sunday, you know, and somebody's like, Tom, you know, everybody's, Tom, and, you know, Sean. That kind of happens, but not really. But, you know, it'd just be kind of cool. You know, that, that you could open up your heart, you could open up your soul, you could talk to anybody about what's going on in your life, and you would feel very safe. We don't have that reputation, do we, as the church? We really don't. And that's sad. The people would feel more comfortable talking to somebody on a bar stool than they would in a church pew or a chair or whatever you have. Philip Yancey tells a story in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? I want to read it for you. This is very, very condemning. Yancey has a friend who works with those who live on the streets of Chicago, and one day a homeless prostitute came to him. She was sick, poor, and, and, and unable to buy food for her daughter. Through sobs and tears, she told him that she had been renting out her daughter, who was two years old, to men for kinky sex. She said that she could make more in one hour doing that than she could earn in a whole night turning tricks on her own. She had to do it, she said, to support her drug habit. Yancey's friend said, I could hardly listen to her story. It was so disgusting, so repulsive. I was speechless and had no idea what to say to her. Finally, I asked her if she ever thought about going to church for help. And I'll never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she said. Why would I ever go to church? I already feel bad enough about myself. They just make me feel We do not have the reputation of being a safe place, do we? We have the reputation of what? Judgment. Condemnation. Holier-than-thou attitudes. Looking down our nose at people. I don't like the way they're dressed. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the things they say. I don't like the way they smell. And we don't have the reputation of being a safe place. This should be the safest place on earth, in my opinion. This should be a place where people know that they can come in and they can ask questions and they can come in in the mess of their lives. The Peanuts movie just came out, right? It just came out this weekend. And, and I was thinking about this this morning, about if we were a character from Peanuts, if the church was, if we were all characters from Peanuts, we should all be the same character. Not Charlie Brown, not Snoopy, not Linus, not Woodstock. You know who we should all be? Pigpen. We should all be, you remember Pigpen? Pigpen's the guy who walks around, and he's got the dirt and all the clouds and the gnats and the flies all around him everywhere. And nobody wants to hang out with Pigpen because he's a mess. We're all a mess. We're all pig pen. We just don't want to admit it. We want to come in on a Sunday morning and act like we got it all together. Everything's fine. Everything's great. How you doing? Great. How you doing? Good. How's it going? Excellent. And we act like we got it all together. We act like everything's just fine. And in the inside, we're falling apart. Our lives are pig pen. We are a church full of pig pens but we don't want to admit it. And instead, we look at other people when they come in with their mess of their lives and in their pig pen, and we think, why are they here? They don't belong here. That's not the way it should be. That's not a safe place. This should be 
a safe place where people can come in in the mess of their lives, in the pig pen of their lives, and they can say, look at me, I'm a mess, can you help? And we say, yes, we can. And yes, we will. But unfortunately, what we do instead is we judge and we condemn and we look down our noses and we make people feel worse. How is this possible? Jesus died to change lives. Jesus died to save people. Jesus died for the pig pens. And yet somehow we've taken the church for which he died and instead of making it a safe place, we've turned it into a fortress. And we build up all these walls around ourselves to keep the bad people out and keep the good people in. One problem is there are no good people. We're all sinners. We're all pig pens. We're all a mess. And this should be the safest place on earth to come and be a mess. This should be the safest place on earth to come and be yourself. To come in and say, my life is a mess. But I know that I can find love here. I know that I can find acceptance here. I know that I will be welcomed here. I know that I will find love here. We have a God who so loved the world that he went to the extreme means to save it. He demonstrated his love in such a way so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He sent his son, Jesus, his one and only son, to die for our sins. And if we will believe in him, repent from our sins, confess our faith and be baptized, we will be saved. And this is what we are called to. This is to what we are saved to be a church. It's a safe place. We've been going through a series that I called Signs. And it's just different signs I've seen in different places over the years. And we had one a few weeks ago called Are You Who You Were a Year Ago? And we talked about church, uh, our spiritual growth. And, you know, are you who you were a year ago? Or, and who are you going to be a year from now? Are you growing in your faith? That was one of the su subjects that we talked about. Last week, we talked about uh, how there's one way. There's one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the only way to get to heaven, the only way to be saved. We talked about that last week. Today, we're talking about a sign that I've seen. It's this, it's this safe place sign. You'll see it around. You'll see it at hospitals. Or you'll see it at police stations. And, and it's to let kids know that if there's a place that they need to go where they need to feel safe, they can go there. And, and for me, when it comes to being the church, we should have a, the biggest safe place sign out in front that this is a safe place to come and to be yourself. It's a safe place to come and ask questions. A safe place to come, warts and all. It's a safe place to be a pig pen. That's what I want the church to be. And I believe that that's what God wants the church to be. He wants this to be a safe place. We're going to look at three different passages of Scripture this morning as we talk about what it means to be a safe place. The first one is in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And we're going to talk about this little passage of Scripture first. And it talks about how we are a body, how we are to be united 
So if you got your Bible, turn to Romans 12, 3 through 8. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. Should be one on the, in one of the racks in front of you. Or if you got your phone or your tablet and you want to look it up. Romans 12, 3 through 8. And I'm going to read this. And we're, this is the first passage we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a few more. Paul says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. There's something that I've never seen in that passage before that really stood out to me, and that's Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What I hear Paul saying there is if you're going to judge somebody, Judge yourself first. If you're going to judge someone, judge yourself first. Each of you should not think more highly of yourselves than you ought, but instead think of yourselves with sober judgment. If you're going to judge someone, judge yourself first. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said something very similar in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. This is what Jesus said. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and you, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We're so busy looking at others and judging other people that we never, that we fail to see that we are the ones, we should be judging ourselves first. So that when I look at myself and think, man, I do not have it all together. I am a mess. I am a pig pen. When I look at myself first, I don't have time to look at anybody else and think, you're a mess and you're a pig pen and your life is in shambles. I don't have time to do that because my own life is in, in shambles. How can I judge anyone else until I've looked at myself first and say, I judge me first. Paul goes on to talk about how we are one body. We have many members, but we are one body. The, the church is a unit. We are to be unified. We are to be united. We are a body. Think about your own body for just a minute. You may not like your body. I'm not a big fan of mine, but it gets me where I need to go. Um, think about your own body for just a moment. What would happen if you lost a part of your body? Or, or think about your hand for a second. Okay, this is my hand. This is my left hand. I would never look at my left hand and go, I don't like you anymore. I think I'm just going to cut you off. Why would I do that? It's my hand. I love my hand. This is... It's, it's got flaws. Fingernails may be a little too long. Knuckles way too hairy. But, you know, it's still my hand. It's still my hand. My hand. It's part of my body. And I want it to stay here. 
or I wouldn't look at my foot and go, eh, Frodo feet, I'm not, big, not a big fan of my feet. But I wouldn't cut it off. I wouldn't get rid of it. It gets me where I need to go. Same thing goes for the body of Christ. Same thing goes for the church. See, this is a safe place for you to be you. It's a safe place for you to ask questions. It's a safe place for you to come and find answers. I used to work at Radio Shack many, many moons ago. We had a saying there. Our, our slogan was, Radio Shack, you've got questions, we've got answers. The church should be like Radio Shack. People got questions, we got answers. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. Right? We're a body. We're united. Every single one of us is important. Every single one of us is necessary. In one way or another. We all have been given gifts, Paul says. Those gifts are to be used to build up the body, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to teach one another, to lead one another, to love one another. We have these gifts given to us to do just that so that we will be a united body. And when we are a united body of people who care for one another and love one another, that kind of reputation is worth gold. People hear about a church where people are loved and they are welcomed, they are accepted, and they want to be a part of that. My prayer is that you want to be a part of that and that this is, that's what you found here, that we're a church who loves one another, that we're a body that is united in Christ. It's what we're called to be. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, Paul says something similar to the Corinthians. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Our many parts make up one body. We are the body of Christ, and we are to be united as a family, as that body of Christ. Unity is what we need to stand together, and to care for one another. But there's more. I want to look at another passage of Scripture from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. You can turn there if you want, or just listen. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and check this one out. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We forgive one another. That's one of the hallmarks of a church is when we will forgive one another. Let's face it, we're people. And people hurt each other. We bump into each other sometimes. You ever do that? You're in the grocery store and you're looking at something and you take a step back. It's like, oh, oh. What's the first thing you do? Idiot, what's the matter with you? Why are you in my way? And all of a sudden, it's a throwdown in aisle four. No, when you accidentally bump into somebody, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Pardon me. How many of you say pardon me? I say pardon me. People look at me like I have a third eye growing out of my head. What are you? 
what is this, 1840s England? Pardon me. No, I don't have any Grey Poupon. But when you bump into somebody, you apologize. And they're like, no, it's okay. I understand. We forgive each other. When we bump into each other, when we hurt each other, when we say things about each other that we don't mean, when we do things against one another that we know we're not supposed to be doing, we apologize and then we forgive. We forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. It means we don't hold it against each other anymore. We forgive one another. That's part of being the church. People need to be forgiven. People carry a lot of shame. They, they carry the weight of guilt in their lives. They need to know that they're forgiven. And even when we hurt one another, I, I've hurt people. I've hurt people in the church. I have to apologize and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? We need to forgive each other when we hurt each other. One more. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Paul writes, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. See, Paul tells the Galatians, you guys got to love each other. You got to love each other. You got to care for one another. You got to be concerned for one another. You need to have kindness and compassion and love for each other. You gotta, we got to love each other in the church. And then he gives them this warning watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Do not bite and devour one another, because watch out, you will destroy each other if you do. See, we can't be about gossip we can't be about backstabbing we can't be about insults we can't be about looking down our noses at people we got to love each other because if people don't find love here where are they going to find it they're looking for love in all the wrong places and they can find it here though this has to be a safe place it's got to be a safe place in, in first peter chapter 4 verse 8 peter wrote above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We are to love each other deeply from the heart, to care for one another. And, and that means, you know, we got to get to know each other. It's a good thing to know your brothers and sisters, the people you're sharing a, a, a row of chairs with today. Who are the, Look around you for just a minute and think, because some of you have told me you do this. You look around going, who are these people? we got so many new people at our church. It's like, I don't know anyone anymore. That's a good thing. Not that you don't know them. It's a good thing that we got new people, but it's a bad thing you don't know them. Goodness gracious. Sorry. We need to get to know each other. We need to spend time with each other. We need to get into relationships with each other. We need to love each other. That's what it's all about, is loving one another. And if we can do that, we can make this a safe place. So I want to talk to a few groups of people real quick before we go. I want to talk to my teenagers. All right, if you're part of our youth group Fuel, uh, then I want you to, to love each other in our youth group. And if you're not part of Fuel, if you're a teenager and you're not part of Fuel, you need to be part of Fuel. It meets from 3 to 5 on Sunday afternoons. You should come to Fuel. Come check it out this afternoon. They'll be here. It's pretty cool. They have a good time. So come check out Fuel. And then if you're in Fuel, don't bully each other. Love each other, because you're all you got. The world out there, 
They don't love you. Well, they'll say they love you. They'll do whatever they can to try and get their way with you. Love each other. In our youth group, our teenagers need to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're a new person, okay, if you're new around here, maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus yet. Our, our, our purpose as a church is helping people follow Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus yet, but you, you're asking questions, and you're, tr- you're feeling your way through, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is it about this God stuff and this Jesus stuff that I'm just not getting? And, and I want you to keep asking questions. I want you to keep coming. I want you to, to make this your church home. Because I believe that you'll find Jesus here. And when you find Jesus, you find life. This is a safe place for you. It is a safe place for you to come and ask questions. We're not afraid of questions here. We're not. We will answer your questions as best we can. If we don't have the answers, we'll look it up. There's lots of smart people in this world who have answers. I'm not one of them. But if you have questions, this is a safe place to ask questions. If, you, if you're a regular attender, okay, if you've been around here for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, my, my challenge for you today is to make this a safe place for everyone else. Don't lie to each other. Don't gossip about one another. Don't insult one another. Don't stab each other in the back. That's not a safe place. If you're doing that, if you're gossiping, if you're lying, if you're backstabbing, if you're, if you're being a jerk, stop. You're not making it a safe place. And I believe that God wants this to be a safe place. So stop what you're doing. And let's make this a safe place. And if you're in leadership, if you're an elder or a deacon or a minister, looking at myself here, remember what Romans says, judge yourself first. But if you're a minister, if you're a deacon, if you're an elder, and you care more about policies and rules and regulations, and you care more uh, about what the bylaws say than you care about people, then we have a problem. Because people matter more than rules. People matter more than policies. People matter more than bylaws. People matter more than buildings. People matter more than budgets. People matter most. And so if you're a leader in our church and you're more concerned about the the physical things than you are the spiritual things, if you're concerned more about the, the written rules than you are the living people, you need to stop that. You need to love people like Jesus loves people. That's my challenge to my leaders. We gotta love people. We gotta make this a safe place. I have a a little piece of artwork in my home. It's not my home now. It's right here. My wife is at home, not feeling well today, going, where did that go? It says this. In this house, we are real. We make mistakes. We say, I'm sorry. We give second chances. We have fun. We give hugs. We forgive We are patient. We love. Now up here at the top is a C. It stands for cornet. But I was wondering, what if this C stood for church? And what if we had this sign hanging up in our church building? And when people walked in and they said, in this house, we are real. We make mistakes. 
We say, I'm sorry. We give second chances. We have fun. We give hugs. We forgive. We are patient. We love. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a safe place. 